Welcome everybody to War Room, the Hockey Podcast, episode 65 this week. Um, we are coming to you from different studios uh, via Zoom, um, so the audio um, will definitely sound like a Zoom call, so bear with us. Uh, also, I want to thank you all for your patience and understanding with um, uploading this week. Um, not only with uh, the issues that uh, meant we couldn't upload on the day we said we would, but also uh, for bearing with us um, as this episode drops on Saturday. So uh, this is a Saturday episode, a special Saturday episode, as we wanted to uh, bring content to you that um, coincided with the end of round one of the Stanley Cup playoffs um, prior to the start of round two uh, with game one between the Dallas Stars and Colorado Avalanche. Um, so we want to bring you the content uh, prior to that, but also uh, fitting in between uh, the end of round one and the start of round two. So this is a Saturday episode. We thank you for your patience and understanding, and we hope you enjoy it. Uh, War Room the Hockey Podcast um, is proud friends with um, ABK Restoration here in the Okanagan Valley. We are also um, proud to um, work with and be friends with Breakaway Brewing, uh, located in downtown Summerland, um, as well as Ryan Walter, a uh, great friend of the show, ryanwalter.com and um, Maple Rock Pure Canadian Maple Syrup. So those are some friends of the show we wanted to give a shout-out to. Um, War Room the Hockey Podcast can be located on the necessary social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, even Twitter, um, War Room the Hockey Podcast, at War Room the Hockey Podcast, and at War Hockey, respectively. Um, although, for the sake of honesty, Twitter is not as active as Instagram or Facebook. Um, you can also find uh, the latest episodes of War Room the Hockey Podcast on warroomhockey.com. Um, but before anything, the main areas uh, for War Room the Hockey Podcast is Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So before we get into our conversation this week, um, make sure you head to those necessary places, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Make sure you hit the subscribe button, make sure you rate and review um, on the necessary social media platforms. Make sure you like us, you follow us, um, and you engage with us. Um, write comments, uh, write questions. Um, we, we love when listeners engage with us, and we greatly appreciate it. And um, make sure that your rating uh, is preferably a five-star rating. Um, leave a review. Uh, any type of engagement like that helps us grow. Um, so we, we greatly appreciate it if you could do that, um, but at some point, um, before the end of this week's episode. So, uh, War Room the Hockey Podcast coming at you from different locations this week. Um, we will likely be doing that for the next few weeks, um, but we hope you enjoy it nonetheless. War Room the Hockey Podcast, episode 65 this week, uh, Discussing an overview of round one of the Stanley Cup playoffs, the play-in and round one, as well as previewing um, the rest of the playoffs, round two, the conference finals, and the Stanley Cup final. Uh, so make sure you uh, settle in, uh, grab your coffee, uh, your tea, anything like that, no matter how you listen to us, and enjoy episode 65 of War Room, the Hockey Podcast.
Well, it's good to have everything back, right? Yes, absolutely. Yikes. First round is over officially, so we're getting into the second round. Um, and I, I got to say, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, I, save for the, uh, and you and I talked about this off camera, but those, those round robin games, they were pillow fights. That, I'm glad you knew they would be. They were just a lot. They were, I've seen more action in scrimmages. Those weren't even good preseason games. Okay. Nobody wanted to get hurt. Nobody wanted to, you know, nobody cared really. It didn't look like whether they finished first or fourth, but. No, no. And you knew they would be because yeah. it just, they're already in the playoffs. It's, you know, you want to make sure you're healthy to when it counts. So you, yeah. you knew it would be. Um, the play in round was different than the round robin in that yes. regard. But, um, but you also see a little bit of that difference too, depending on how a team plays like um, Tockett in Arizona has them tremendous on the four check tremendous on, on the puck, but you don't see a lot of extracurricular activities. So you don't see no. a lot of, a lot of the one and only time you saw it was game four, I believe when Fisher and McKinnon, and <laughs> Kraus and McCarr and all that stuff kind of came to blows a little bit, but that was the one and only time. Otherwise, whistle, play, whistle, play. So there was, so depending on how a team plays too, will we'll play a big part in what you see too, as well. So they, they, we talk about this a lot and we talked about it when we went through coaches and things like that, but they, that, that Arizona team plays uh, a lot like the Carolina Hurricanes uh, in under Rod Brindamore. They, they just play a real hard hustle game, uh, big on the four check, real fundamentally good, not built really to do a lot of scrapping, but they, you know, they're, they're capable of scaring you. But those are, those are two teams that really look like the way they've been coached and uh, has, has taken a hold. And as, it, as with the Canucks. Yep. Travis Green's got the same thing going there. Absolutely. Um, Colorado kind of embarrassed Arizona a bit, though, in the way they played. Um, well, when they finally broke the dam. When they, when they broke the – but what I mean is they – I mean, and, you know, I meant what I said to you off, off camera, off recording about um, going back to squirts and not being on the perimeter. But perimeter player not, Colorado kind of – with the exception of Kemper kind of made Arizona look a little foolish, just puck possession and the way, the, the way they played. Um, and then of course, when they broke the, the Kemper wall, then it really started to show on the scoreboard. But um, the play, the play, the score was not indicative of the play through a lot of that series. No, it um, was not. Uh, but it goes to our, it goes to the conversation that we had about how, the importance of goaltending. Oh yeah, Kemper Kemper stole him, stole him one in Game Three, and yep. if if not, then that's a four game sweep and and everything like that. And so, I mean, goaltending in every capacity, win or lose, is plays a big role, and and you're seeing it. So, well, it's a uh, yeah. Kemper Kemper was uh, stellar through almost the whole thing until they started putting up touchdowns, which was not really his fault. I mean, he was. He was absolutely helpless uh, in games four and five, but up until then, my gosh, he was 
it, it had to scare you when you out shoot them 40 to 12 and you can, you're going into the third period or an overtime trying to squeeze one out. Yeah. Oh yeah. But so Same with Perry Price, eh? yeah, no price played well. And you know, Montreal overall played well though against Philly. Um, but we also knew that we also predicted ourselves that Philly and the Islanders would be the, the cream of the crop in the East when the time came. It's a shame. It's a shame that they have to play each other before the, the Eastern Conference final. Yeah, I know. I know. That was. So a, you're seeing that matchup a little early to where now one, one of them gets bounced, whereas you'd almost like to see Philly and, and New York go at it in the conference finals to see who goes to the, to the Stanley Cup. But yeah. That would be that would be good, but uh, those are those are two teams that we de- we pegged them in the preseason as being um, as being teams to beat in the East, and it's absolutely turned out that way. Speaking of goaltending, I just want to say the it depends on how you look at it, but the failure that was Bobrovsky in Florida. Oh man, oh. Um, I I I. I'm careful how I say that just because goaltending is important. We said that. However, it is still a team game. And up front, they didn't produce at a level that really any solid goaltender would, would be able to overcome. However, that being said, that argument almost goes out the window the second you pay a guy $10 million. Oh, oh my Because basically, basically the second you pay a guy $10 million – you're now basically saying it doesn't really matter what we do up front. Bobrovsky's the guy who's leading us to the Stanley Cup. That's exactly and right. That's it. And now you get bounced in the play-in round before the playoffs even start on Bobrovsky. So to me, to me, he's a ten million dollar failure. Oh, catastrophic, and probably partially why there's a lot of uh, turnover speculation is that Dale Talon's going to lose his job, but. Yeah. And that's but that's good. Borowski, Borowski would be a would be a five, maybe six million dollar potential, or a five, maybe six million dollar um, work in progress type of guy. But at ten million, he's a oh. failure. Yeah, colossal, yeah. catastrophic failure at that kind of money, especially with a flat cap. Now, mm-hmm. that's just that's doomsday. Uh, I mean, obviously, for ten million bucks, you've got to have a guy play like Carey Price. He's got to steal games for you, uh, and and Bobrovsky didn't even protect a game, let alone go out and steal one. No, no, not at all. No. So that to me, that of of the biggest notes of the of the first round in the play in, that was a big one. He was a he was a, he was a true failure in every sense of of that word. So, can we can we put the argument to rest now as to whether or not the Toronto Maple Leafs are geared for playoffs, or if they're not? Can we can we eliminate that as a topic of conversation for at least the next year? Oh yeah, I agree. Uh, well, to me, I found it funny they it seemed like um, Marner and Matthews uh, were more concerned with uh, the relaxed dress code than they were with playing hockey. If you if you watch them walking into the arena like they always show on Sportsnet and Hockey Night and everything, they they were walking in like uh, like white basketball players, really really putting in the effort to look real real fly and everything. And then it 
and then they were nowhere on the ice. So it was like, it's like their priorities were a little different. It so, must be, it, it must be so hard to coach in 2020 to try to get like a, say what you will about how abrasive and, and sometimes just utterly disrespectful John Tortorella is and, and what a complete jackass he is. His players play hard. Oh, and when, you, when you've got a team like Toronto or Tampa that is getting beat up nightly by Boone Jenner and Nick Foligno and guys like that, that's just, that's coaching. And somehow he's got those guys looking at the wins and losses versus the, the paycheck and the, and the way they look on social media. So that's just a flop. And, and you will not ever, you can't point to a Stanley Cup contender in, the, in my lifetime. You can't point to a Stanley Cup contender that hasn't had the, the grit and the guts. And that's why, that's why some of the really flowery, pretty-looking teams are out, like Toronto, and, and some of the grittier teams are still in, like the Islanders and the Flyers. Yeah. I, want, I want to point out, too, that even though they are no, no longer with us as the playoffs continue, that Montreal has a lot to look forward to. That Nick Suzuki? He, he, yeah, he was on top of the list, along with Price and Weber and Philip Deneau and Sherratt uh, and Jeff Petrie. The, I mean, these guys are, if they can get scoring out of Suzuki and and – and develop some of their some of their younger guys uh, like I, they're they're going to be really really good and they better be good in the next two or three years because when prices clock runs out you know, you're not going to be able to count on another guy like him. No, absolutely. I, an impressive run, very impressive run. Mm-hmm. I biggest question marks for me right now is the health of Claude Julian in in Montreal, and then. Um, whether or not um, Max Domi sticks around. Yeah. He's, he's, I would, he's rumored um, to be headed. Uh, he's rumored right now he to be a heavy target for a team like Pittsburgh. So. Yeah, that would kind of make sense, I guess, but gosh. So I guess the, in, in general, the question is whether in that regard is whether, what I mean is whether or not Max Domi will be in Montreal come the start of next season or right. long term, but well, he's not a huge piece, but he's certainly uh, a good second, third line guy that you can count on to go to work every night. So, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't want to lose a guy like Max Domi, especially for no bigger uh, of a cap hit than he is for the time being. But the fit may not be right. I don't know. Yep. I mean, like they they do. I mean, you can obviously you look at that team and they you know they have to get bigger. They've got to get stronger. Oh yeah, no. especially up front. Now, I mean, you don't get, you don't have to get bigger than Petrie, Weber, and Sherratt, but you you definitely have to get bigger than Domi and uh, Gallagher and and Kotkaniemi and people like that. So they've got to get a little heavier up front. Absolutely. The question mark for me in the West would be Calgary in that regard. There are there um, their failure now multiple years in a row in the first round. Um, has created questions as to roster turnovers going into next year as to who's who's getting I'm, moved and what kind of rebuild they do. So yeah, I'm looking for Goudreau to probably be gone. Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe uh, maybe Monahan could be. Yeah, they've got to make some changes. Of course, they were 
they were playing without Kachuk, who's their leading scorer, and they were playing without getting, uh, at least in the last couple of games, uh, they played without getting really timely saves from Cam Talbot. So and goaltending. Uh, the other the other thing f- along the lines of Bobrovsky is big mo- big money contract failure in Milan Lucic. Yep. Um, and he's he played he, better in his normal con- normal conversation surrounding him for years now through his time in L.A. and Edmonton and all that stuff. Um, you bring him in to be a big body and a producer the way he was in Boston, and he's just flopped. So it's not there. No, he he was better, but he was only better than than horrible. Like the last couple of years, he's been a complete flop. Now he's better than a flop, but he's still not a, a what is he, a $5.5 million hit or $6 million hit? Yeah, no, he's... Um, well, yeah. Before, we, before we skip completely out of the East... Uh, I think th- there's a couple of guys, especially uh, especially on those on those Islander and and uh, Flyers teams. Carter Hart's been stellar. Uh, Travis Sanheim has been excellent. The in on the Island, Matt Barzell has been spectacular, and Bovillier. Like, what Stop, is sir. with that guy? He he and Dubois are almost uncontrollable. They're they're not like McKinnon uncontrollable, but they're like every night. It's the same every night with them, and big timely goals, huge bodies. Um, these guys are wow. Would I love to be building around them? That Dubois kid is a handful, and and Bovillier is the same way. Oh, agreed. Um, don't take any credit from them, but it, it's also a testament to um, a guy like Barry Trotz and what he can for sure what he can do um, because after Tavares left, no, it's obviously no disrespect to Barzal because uh, he is who he is, but who do they have in that lineup that stand, that screams at you and stands out to me, to me, the Islanders are this are the same way as Columbus or the same way as an Arizona. They don't, they don't have, at least in terms of big names, they don't have um, that superstar guy. No. Uh, they got the Derek Broussards and the Bavilliers and these guys, and then you combine them with Barry Trotz and you go out and you're competing to head to the Stanley cup here um, yeah. in, this com- in the conference semifinals. So it, um, well, when you you're, that's a good point, but when you take a guy who is right on the perimeter of being one of the greatest, maybe 10 or 12 offensive players in the league and Matt Barzell, and you put him with Bovillier and Brock Nelson and Anders Lee, and the the depth guys like Broussard, like now you've got now you've got three three lines anyway that you really have to pay attention to, and then you've got a fourth line with Clutterbuck and and uh, Matt Martin that's just heavy and nasty. I mean that's that's not a that's not a fun place to play. No, yeah, as the for, for the opponents anyways, fun place to play for if you're an Islander. The way they've played, they, they're, uh, I don't know if it's the right term, but to me, they're the sleeper in the East for me. Um, they, based, just on, based on things, my pick would still be Philly, at least coming out of that, coming out of that matchup. Um, but the Islanders, if there's a team that makes it to, this, to the finals and, and everything that I would not be surprised about, it would be the Islanders. 
and we can't actually hear on War Room, the hockey podcast, we can't call them a sleeper or a dark horse because we call that, we pegged them along with Philadelphia in, I think, one of our September shows last year. So, oh, yeah. No, I agree. And so, so I guess in that term, the sleeper for me then would be Vancouver. Well, yeah. I'd have to, I'd have to say that they'd be the sleeper for me based on how they played against St. Louis. Um, I don't see them. I mean, anything can happen. I don't see Vancouver coming out of the West because they got to go through Colorado and Vegas, for example. But um, if there was a team in the West that made it to the finals that I wouldn't be fully surprised about, it would be, it would be Vancouver, just yep. the way they've been playing. So, Totally but, agree. I, that's, and that, that goes top to bottom. They're getting timely goaltending. They're solid on defense. They've got role players, and I'll take anybody named Tanev on my team any day. And when with guys like Pedersen and and Besser and Horvat and guys like that, I mean Tanner Pearson playing well. That's a they've got they got size, they got meanness, they've got high end talent. They you know they're not right now of the teams that are left. They might be your your long shot, but they. They shouldn't. They they won't be able to sneak up on anybody. No. Nope. What what happened to? I may have glossed right over it when everything was going on. But what happened to Tyler Toffoli in Vancouver? He's not in any lineup. He he hasn't seen the ice. He's that's to me that's a question to look for for maybe um, for maybe next week that way we have, we have the answer and we're not we're not kind of sitting here uh, twiddling our thumbs. But to me that that was the thing maybe I glossed over it in the buildup with the, whether he opted out or not. I don't know, but I, I haven't seen him. He did not opt out. Um, so, I, he and Stamco both are, are, are they injured? I don't know, but it's, uh, it's just something that I was looking at last night, watching the, the final game of the St. Louis Canucks series. And I was like, you know, I've been checking in on this series the whole time and I have not seen Tyler Toffoli. Well, the last the last we knew uh, was when he had a he had a foot injury in the Minnesota series. Okay, and un- yep, see, unless that turned, unless that went from a game to game lower body injury to a full on broken foot or something, yeah. then I don't know. In the, uh, that's that must be the case. I haven't I don't because he has he hasn't played in two weeks, so he I haven't has, seen him at all. That. That foot injury must have been way worse than they expected. Maybe they x-rayed it and it came up, came up broken. But another um, guy, real quick, before we transition from Vancouver, that's, that's played very, very well, that um, the hockey world was livid about was J.T. Miller. Yeah. Everybody thought Vancouver they were made game. that trade? Yep. And everybody got on and, oh, this is the worst trade we've seen in years. And, oh, you know, this, that, and the other. He's third in the playoffs in points right now. Yeah. I mean, he's done tremendously in Vancouver. His fit there is perfect. His fit there is like Kevin Hayes in Philadelphia. Yeah. Big second-line center iceman, guy that can get, you know, he can play in any situation. And he can pot probably in a full season. He wouldn't be a wouldn't be a stretch for him to pot 20 or 25 goals. Um, so yeah, a very, very good fit there. And they're not, I don't, they're not going to regret that contract unless he just goes ice cold. 
Oh yeah, no, I agree. So that to me, he's been a standout for me. Just a a guy that you wouldn't one you wouldn't expect in any lineup because he's he's thick and he, he the way he plays, he's a, a depth guy. Yep. But the way he's going in Vancouver, not only has he proven all of the trade critics wrong, but he's proven to be a timely guy in that lineup. So very much so. Bang on. Uh, speaking of timely and being a big, big guy in the lineup and a, you know, a bit of a surprise. How about Kirby Dak in Chicago playing on the top line, playing top line minutes, playing on the first power play unit. Uh, he's, he's become at 19. Was he 20 now? He's a, he's a go-to guy. He, he's going to be the guy in five, seven, 10 years. He's going to be the guy that we're talking about as the cream of the crop from that year's draft. Yeah. Ahead of Kako and Hughes. Oh, for sure. Um, we have yet to see what Byram will do. Um, cause that they're the same year, but if I have to, if I have to make a guess, Dak is the new guy in Chicago that they build around the same way they did around Kane when Kane was drafted in 07. Oh he, yeah. And he's going to be a guy in 10 years that, um, I'm going to, I'm going to guess it right here, right now for something we can look back on in five years, but he's going to be the guy that is the cream of the crop, highest point getter, all this stuff from that year's draft. He's got, uh, he's going to have some competition depending on how, uh, how the kid in, in Buffalo comes along and, and Byram both, because I, I expect huge things from Byram. I, I think he's going to be. Oh, and cousins. Yep. No, yep. Yeah, cousins. And cousins in Buffalo. But man, this Dak kid, I mean, it don't look now, but Chicago, who was on life support a year ago, now they've got Kubalik and Dak in the lineup. And all of a sudden, holy smokes, we're playing pretty darn well. I think the rebuild is uh, is half done already. And it did. Hey, it just barely started. From a personal perspective, I'm tired of Chicago, but you know what? If no matter what team you are, if you can, if you can rebuild and you can transition while still having certain guys in the lineup then good on you. So if you can, if you can rebuild and transition and still say that you've got Taves and Kane in your lineup, now you've got Kirby Dak and Kubalik and yeah. you've got these guys. Now you're, you're now in the rebuild process. So when Taves and Kane are now gone, it's not a stretch to now replace them. And now you're still, you're still there. So, hey, if you can do it like that, then great. Um, and Debrinket is Debrinket's able to play in the NHL. I mean, he's proven that. He's a, he's a bona fide goal scorer. So they've got a, they got a lot of tools there. They need, they need to shore up their defense, especially the, the pipeline, uh, to, get, to get a little bit younger and a little bit more mobile on defense. But they're, they're pretty sturdy. Their goaltending is the question, though, for me. Definitely. Um, Definitely. And Crawford, Crawford played solid, but he Crawford played solid, but I, yeah. I, who if if Crawford doesn't stand on his head, sixty five games out of a year, and for however long he's got left in his career, who do you go to, Malcolm Subban? I mean, like, because he's the backup right now in Chicago, and he's 
not the guy you want to rely on. No, so, I, I wouldn't that's really question. need one. So right now, the people in the catbird seat are like the New York Rangers who have three bona fide NHL goaltenders, uh, one of which might be a perfectly likely pedal off to Calgary for Goudreau or someone who wants, Goudreau wants to play in the East. Yep. And I don't think he's any happier with Calgary than they are with him right now. So no, uh, a goaltender to a contender like Chicago or Calgary, um, that's, that's a big deal. But again, to your point earlier, you got to be real careful not to Bobrovsky yourself into a jam because that's, uh, that's ugly. Well, yeah, well, exactly. But the problem is now is the problem with that goaltending conversation though, is you're now in a, you're in a position where goaltending is what everybody's looking for. And that automatically right, wrong or different creates leverage for agents and these goaltenders to now go, okay, you want me or you want to resign me. Well, then here's the price. Here's the cost. And you now, you now get backed into a Bogrovsky situation and what, what are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do? Because 100%. so what, what do you like you do? I guess what Kekalainen did in Columbus, you cut Bobrovsky and his $10 million nonsense loose and let somebody else take that white elephant. And you stick with Corpus Allo, who outplayed him five times over for league minimum. Like you're, He's, uh, th- that's who you've got to find. You've got to find that lightning in a bottle guy, the Darcy Kemper, the Corpus Allo. You got to find somebody that is that good coming along that you can rely on. I, the problem with goaltenders is nobody wants to draft them high because you don't know at 18 what a guy's going to look like. And it won't be long before nobody will want to sign him as a free agent either because at 27 or 28, they've had it coming off a good year or two they're going to put a gun to your head for, you know, a, a huge cap breaking salary. And then if you turn into a flunky like Bobrovsky, wow, now they're stuck six more years with that guy. Yeah. Ouch. Yep. No, Yuck. and that it's, a, it's part of the issue with the, I guess the supply and demand aspect of goaltending is goaltending is very few and far between that you get a, a stud goaltender right? Every year in the draft or this or that, you know, every now and then you'll find a, uh, find a gem like Francois who can be a quality backup every now and then you'll find, you know, you'll find those types of guys, but it's such a, a, a rare thing that when the demand is there where everybody needs it, everybody wants it, but the supply isn't there. Well, now all of a sudden you've got the ability if you're Bobrovsky's and his agent, or if you're this, you know, to be able to say, all right, well then pay up. Yep. Show me the money. Yep. So, and in in that regard, you can't, in that regard, you can't blame Bobrovsky and his agent, for example, you can't, you know, if they're, if they're, why would you not take 10 million to to be, to be on the beach in Florida and and hanging out and everything? Take 10 million. I I'll do it. I'd take it too. If you're willing to give me that. Right. Times seven years or whatever yeah. you got. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, right? And and net contracts now are more more and more are getting more front loaded to where now oh, you're yeah. getting you're getting the money here, right? So if there's a work stoppage or an injury or this or that, you're you're not That's getting right. right. So now I'm getting I'm getting how much what percentage of that ten million every year right at the start? I'll take it. And then yeah. you know, 
I mean, because from a personal perspective, I'll take that money. It's now on the team for, for giving me that money just for me to go out and flop, right? So exactly. And it, it, I think to that point, exactly, uh, on July 1st, when, when all the bonuses were paid out, I think Toronto wrote 40 or $50 million worth of checks to Tavares and Marner and Nylander and Matthews and everybody, and they weren't even playing. Yeah, and they and then they didn't play. So after they went back to work, those guys still didn't show up. I th- so. I can't remember if it was. Um, I think it was the Columbus series of Toronto, but I read something. It was interesting. Toronto's first line: Matthews, Marner, Tavares. Combined, was more of a cap hit than three quarters of the entire Blue Jackets lineup. Absolutely. Like and those three guys alone was more of a cap hit than the, almost the entirety of the blue jackets, entire team, entire roster. And what did they produce? Yep. No, I, I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying it was just, it was interesting. Just, no. And that's a risk that you run. You, I mean, you, if you pay, you paid uh, Kane and Taves 10 million, Times long term, yep. you're getting your money's worth. Yep. Four years, five years later, whatever it's been, you're getting your money's worth. Uh, you do that with same with Suter and Parisi in Minnesota, um, right? Guys like that. So I mean, they, unfortunately, I can't. Unfortunately, I as much as I don't like saying this, I f- I fear uh, not so much right now with the flat cap, but I fear that as things move forward, you're going to see more and more of those situations of guys getting those big contracts, oh, right, yeah. wrong, or indifferent. But, yeah. um, but right now you're, you can still get away with seeing, seeing some teams that, you know, are getting away with not, not being that way. Colorado has tremendous cap space for, for what they're doing. Columbus. What, Boston, what the Boston Bruins have paid for that top line of theirs yeah. Plus their young defensemen and everything. I mean, that, that's been a masterful job by Don Sweeney. Joe Sackick's done maybe the best job in the league at drafting, trading, and going from a 40-point year three years ago to a legitimate cup contender, not a cup contender, maybe a cup favorite this year, in three years. And he's paying – I mean, look, look at the McKinnon contract, $6 million. He's got another three or four years at six. He's a steal. Uh, uh, golly, Landeskog and Rantanen, he's going to have to pay them apparently. But I, those guys don't make any noise. And especially if you heard what McKinnon said about, about his next deal, mm-hmm. somebody asked him about getting it, having, being so underpaid. And he just laughed it off. Like, I, I like this kid better every day. The harder he plays and the, the more kind of character he shows, uh, I really like this guy. And, yep. and I don't think, I don't believe that McKinnon is going to try to rush to free agency uh, when, his, when this deal is up. I think he's going to want to stay in Colorado and he's going to want to take, I, I don't like the term hometown haircut, but I think to, to keep the core of that team together with Gerard and Byram and Timmons and, and uh, McCarr, Landy and Rantanen and, and Kadri, I, I think he's going to want to take reasonable money to stay put. Well, it, in Colorado, it's one of those things where um, I, I believe that you've got yourself and anything's possible again, but I believe in Colorado, you've got yourself another 
um, Sackick Forsberg Hayduke situation where you've got yourself career guys in Colorado. Yeah. Landeskog, no question. I think being the captain, being being a, that guy, I think he is avalanche through and through. And I think one way or the other, I truly believe, I won't guarantee it, but I truly believe he retires as a member of the Colorado Avalanche. I, that's the way I see it with Landy. Um, McKinnon, um, I believe I believe he's uh, that way in terms of being a sack kind of guy. He's um, he's a guy who any general manager would want to pay to keep. And so I, I think he too is, is a Colorado guy. And Rantanen, Rantanen is locked up for at least six years now. And yep. so I, they're, they're good. And plus the way Sackick's structured that, the way he's structured it to where these guys aren't coming up at the same time. Yeah. They so, now, so now you can, now you can re-sign Rantanen the way he did with a Martin Kaut yeah. right, type of guy. And now you're not having two big contracts, right? And Everybody then now at the same time. And now in two years you can re-sign you can re-sign Landeskog and Makar and not have to combine those two guys with McKinnon and with this guy. Yeah. And then a year or two after that, then you can re-sign McKinnon with Byram or whatever and and have it structured and then the lengths of those contracts to where then they come up again and you're still you're still staggered i th- so i think uh anything's possible uh based on trades based on different roster moves and things like that but um i think one because of the character of guys like Landeskog and McKinnon even Rantanen um and definitely McCarr McCarr is a character guy um but also the way Sackick structured it, I won't guarantee it, but I, I, I have no issue saying that in 12, 15 years, McKinnon, Landeskog, and Makar especially, um, but also maybe Rantanen are still members of, of the Avalanche. I got no problem. They like playing there. They're, they're treated well. They, they have a, you know, people... People go there to retire, uh, guys who come through town like Kyle Quincy. And by the way, before I forget, I've got to give a shout out to Kyle Quincy. His little boy, Axel, is fighting, uh, fighting a, a, a brain cancer issue, it looks like. And uh, we want to wish him our best. Absolutely. He's, uh, he's a good dude and, um, and developing into a pretty good defenseman. <laughs> After playing with you, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Listen, I, you know, Joe Sackick will be remembered for winning cups and for showing up big uh, in, in cup games. But, but the most impressive thing I've ever seen about him is when he spent his first, what, six years in Quebec City on an absolutely horrible team, put up 100 points a year. He's a scrawny little kid right out of junior. Um, I think he played in uh, Swift Current, and right out of junior, he gets uh, he gets 100 points a year on a terrible team in a French-speaking city where most Anglo's, especially from Western Canada, did not want to go to. Yep. Uh, to me, and he never said a word. He didn't say anything. Eric Lindros wouldn't even put on the hat when Quebec drafted him first overall, Joe Sackick just kept his mouth shut and went there and put up a hundred points. And to me, that's as impressive 
for a kid like that as as winning the cups and as big as he showed up in on those two cup winning teams so anyway the uh, biggest like, thing there the biggest sh- thing there to show that character of guys like Landis Gog, McKinnon um even Eric Johnson um was the Duchesne situation yep um a, a number of guys could have been with Duchesne and said I'm tired of this and when the Duchesne stuff started being made public, um, Eric Johnson specifically made a public comment that just said it was clear he didn't want to be here and, and, and everything like that. And then basically the comment read in so many words, if he doesn't want to be here, we don't want him here. Right. And um, Johnson then said, we want to win with this team in this city. And yep. he didn't. And in, and for lack of a better, for lack of the right words, good riddance, right? And so I think that the response by the team after the Duchesne situation to not only handle it the way they did, but to then come out and be as competitive and successful as they've been since he was traded, yep, kind of shows that they're all in with Colorado, and there, there's, and from a personal perspective, I've got respect for that. You know, it's a team that drafted you. You've you've put in the work to go through the the real shitty times of a forty eight point season and all these things, and now you're here. You've got a bond. You've got a brotherhood. Uh, Johnson and Lannisgog are best friends. You know you got these de- types of things, and now you want to you want to see it through, and you want to you want to not only win in Colorado, but you want to see your career through in Colorado. So I got respect for that. Yeah, you too. And and that's the kind of guys that I, to my point about Joe Sackick those are the kind of guys that he, he finds them. He knows how to, he knows how to look for, he knows what he's, what he sees when he sees a guy like that. And that's why you can, and I have nothing against Duchesne or O'Reilly either one, but that's how you can get rid of two of the game's top center icemen and, and get better. Like how do you, who does that in a span of three or four years, you get rid of O'Reilly who won a con Smythe and Duchesne who, who puts up solid numbers every year. And you get, and you actually improve. It's, it's, man, that's off to him. Absolutely. Well, um, is there anything else you want to touch on? Well, I just, I, I want to, he gets a lot of abuse. And I just want to say I was, I was pretty impressed with Nuge in the Oilers loss. I thought he played well. I thought he acquitted himself as a real sturdy top six guy. for the Oilers and and he takes a he takes a world of abuse but I think he's I think he's going to be fine he's just he's probably overpaid but he really showed up and the other thing that dawns on me watching this whole thing start back up again the poor Winnipeg Jets can they never ever catch a break the Shifley injury the line a injury the Bufflin debacle uh losing Myers and Truba and everything. I'm like, this team just cannot catch a break. And I, you know, I, I was rooting for them to get a couple of good bounces. I, I would really like to see something good happen to Mo and Chipman and, and Shovel Day off and stuff. They, they're, it's a, it's a good city. It's a good fan base and built full of good guys like Shifley and Wheeler. And, and they're just, um, they just cannot seem to catch a break. No, and they're they're um, they're in another situation where you you have to ask yourself, you know, 
how much longer do they have? Um, yeah. Well, Blake Wheeler's all of a sudden 45 or 36. Well, absolutely. Blake Wheeler's getting up there and uh, line a and Shifley are not, not old veterans, but they're, you know, you're start, you're starting to look at things where these guys are the other side of getting to, if not on the other side of 30 and um in today's NHL, that means you're on the other side of your career. And we got some, they got some pieces coming along and you're right. And I, I really like Kyle Connor a lot. Yep. Um, and I like Josh Morrissey on the back end a lot, but, and, and Bucky had a good year in goal, but that's not enough. It's not enough to play Vegas or Colorado or Dallas or St. Louis or now Vancouver. It's not enough to play even Calgary. If they make a couple of the right moves, like they, the Jets just have to, wow, they, they, let a, they let an opportunity get away when they let that defense all, all run off in free agency. Yeah, yeah no, agreed. Anyway. Um, well, but, to, to finish up, um, second, round, second round thoughts. Um, you've got Philly playing the Islanders. You've got Tampa and Boston. You've got Vegas and Vancouver. And you've got Colorado and Dallas. Um, Thoughts on the second round, um, who we see in the conference finals, um, and how we see the second round going per the matchups. I, as much as I don't think any of the four teams in the East could beat any of the four teams in the West, the, the East is going to be an absolutely fascinating matchup for me. Tampa and Boston, they don't match up well together. Uh, Boston is now without Rask. Boston's probably the better, the better playoff built team than Tampa, but they don't have their number one goaltender. Stamkos is still out. We don't know if we're going to see him at all. There's been no news on that whatsoever. And so that's going to be a real tough one to pick as is the Flyers and Islanders. And, and as you said, I, I would probably take whoever comes out of that Islander Flyer series to win the East. No, I agree. That's that's my prediction. Those are just Whoever wins that series. Yeah. No. Uh, in the West, you know, the the odds on favorites have to be Vegas and Colorado. I mean, Vegas Vegas looked they both those teams looked so good in the in the first round that I would consider it a, a colossal upset if Vegas or Colorado lost to Dallas or Vancouver could yep. be done. And, and Dallas is not to be taken lightly. Neither one of them are for sure. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the, because they played so well, uh, both those teams, but. Still doesn't change that it would be an upset if, if either Vegas or Colorado lost. Yeah. Obviously not taking Vancouver or Dallas lightly, but it would still be classified an upset just not only based on seating, but also the way Vegas and Colorado have been playing through so far, it, it would still be an upset. Maybe not a surprising upset because it's still Vancouver and Dallas, but it, it, at least an upset. So. And I'm, it's, it's too close to call. I, I, both of these teams, both Vegas and Colorado are built extremely well. They're solid two two solid goaltenders real good on defense, depth up front. They've got some size. They've got high-end skill. They've got everything. I kind of like Colorado because they're more explosive. I think they can put up bigger numbers. Uh, I don't – but 
man, that's just a tough one to call. I, I will continue to say that whoever comes out of the West wins it all. And it's probably going to be Vegas or Colorado. Whoever wins that matchup in the, in the conference final is going to win the cup. But well, if everything goes well and they, those two teams end up in the conference final, which is my prediction, Vegas and Colorado in the conference final. Um, to me, it's going to come down to um, my heart is going to say Colorado, but objectively to me, it's going to come down to um, Leonard or Grubauer who, who plays more consistently and is more steady. Yep. And um, per our goaltending conversation, if whoever, whoever has a better series goaltending wise in the conference final between those two teams, if of course those two teams make it, um, is the is who's coming out of the West? Yeah, that would be that would be my call. Um, I don't. I just don't think. Like, I don't know who you're. Who do you match? Who do you match that top line with? If you're Vegas, they cannot match McKinnon and Ranton and, and Landeskog. They that's such a that's such a difficult matchup. I don't know on who who's whose defense pair do you put with them. Like when you've got last change, who do you put out there? Shea Theodore and Nate Schmidt, maybe? I don't know. I guess. Uh, and face-off wise, I'd put if I'm them, I put Stasny. Stasny yeah. can Stasny and his line can win you face-offs. Uh, Stasny is solid, not only on the power play, but he is solid in his own end and, and everything. I I'd put I'd put Stasny with, against against McKinnon and um and see what happens. I mean, worst case scenario, you, you drop a game or two and then you are the home team and you have last change and now you can adapt that way. But to me, that to me, if I'm Vegas, that's how I do it. But the point is, if all goes well, those are my two teams in the conference final. And it's going to come down to Grubauer, Francois, Leonard, Fleury, who, who, who comes out goaltending-wise as, as to who comes out of the West. So. Yeah, it and honestly, it usually does end up looking like that. But I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Colorado just because I, I just love that speed. And and the more the playoffs grind on, the the more difficult speed is to handle. It's not and just it's, speed. It's got they got some bite to them. Oh they're yeah, not, they're not slouches. Um, Rantanen is a, is a big body um, who can control the puck well. He's a Yager-esque guy. Landeskog yep. lays the hits and isn't, an afra- isn't afraid to drop them. Uh, Johnson's a big body. Zadorov. Gerard is solid. I mean, yep. he's, he's small, but he's solid. McCarr's no slouch. Um, no. McKinnon can clearly, can clearly tussle with the best of them. Um, yeah. Ian, Cole, Ian Cole um, is, is – Workhorse feisty guy he's a he's a he's a workhorse um so based on all around stuff um objectively and personally i'm going to say colorado um because in that regard again they're not slouches but who does vegas have that can really go that way other than maybe ryan reeves um but again but again for the sake of for the sake of not getting too crazy again (laughs) i go back to i go back to goaltending I mean, yeah. You clearly you can put you can put fifty plus shots on a goaltender, and if he's stopping every one, but they're scoring at the same time, then you know you cannot skate circles around them all you want. So, to me, goaltending is going to be the the driving force 
to whoever whoever not only comes out of each conference, but whoever ultimately raises the Stanley Cup. So don't forget Nazem Kadri. Mm-hmm. That he's really, really found himself a home. Yeah. And one other thing that to watch for as the West starts the uh, the second round, which as of this recording will be tonight. Um, that Dallas defense, they're a they're a handful. I mean, look what they did. Look what Klingberg and and Heiskanen did to get there. That like they've they have been to, to beat Calgary. Golly, they've been awesome. Like, yep. Getting going low to high in Dallas. Get the puck down low. Bounce it back up to one of those guys. They really really get the job done. So if when you're when you're on the whiteboard, when Bednar's on the whiteboard, you better be watching for the defense coming in behind you. Oh, absolutely! No, it's 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 a good time to be a hockey fan. Um, yep. Personally, personally, I know who I'm I'm going for when I watch. Um, but objectively, it's a good time to be a, a hockey fan. And all four of these remaining matchups um, have the potential to be tremendous hockey and and tremendous series uh, fans are no fans because clearly fans have not affected the pace or the intensity and so um, all four of these matchups have the potential to be tremendous and um, so it's um, it's interesting the difference being in the west compared to the east um, Vegas and Colorado aren't facing each other yet um, whereas Philadelphia and the Islanders are type of yep. thing, right? If we're going off that basis, but um, I'm, I'm with you. All four of these matchups, I don't want to miss a single minute of it. Oh yeah, these are all four so good that I don't, I, I don't want to miss anything. No, so it'll, it'll be good. Oh, yep. um, but before we close, um, real, real quick, and then we'll we'll close out. Touch on uh, shout out and condolences to Dale Howarchuk's family. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. He put up a tremendous battle um, with cancer and um, went, uh, as far as I know, he went peacefully. And um, the hockey community is going to miss him dearly. And, um, but his legacy will continue to live on, not only in the hockey world, but in um, Winnipeg, um, Buffalo, and all yep. the places that he touched. So uh, shout out and condolences to his family and um, God bless you. Ducky. Rest in peace to, to Ducky uh, yep. Dale Howardchuck. Yeah. Thank you. So yeah. Um, Thanks for bringing that along and, absolutely. and a thoughts and prayers uh, for Axel Quincy again. And uh, you know, let's hope we can, let's hope we can go a few weeks here without any more tragedies in our, in our game. No, absolutely. Hundred percent. So, but hey, thanks for joining on Zoom. And um, I got to go get my game face on. (laughs) Yes, go do that, and we'll um, we'll see you in studio when you get back to town. You got it. Good talking with you. Thanks for having me. Yep. See ya.
episode 65 of War Room, the Hockey Podcast. What a really enjoyed that conversation. Uh, thank you, Brad, uh, for joining us on on Zoom. Uh, we know that we, I know that you wish uh, you could be in person in studio, um, but you'll you'll be able to again soon. So thank you for taking the time on Zoom to to do that from from where you are. Uh, tremendous conversation. It really has been fun. Um, we really did know uh, that the first round would be pillow fights, um, not the first round, the round robin, excuse me, uh, would be pillow fights. Um, they're already in the playoffs, just for seeding. You don't want you don't want to you don't want to take yourself out of it before anything really truly begins. So we knew that, um, but the first round w- and the play-in round. Um, no matter your thoughts on the playing round and the given situation, uh, that was tremendous hockey, and it's going to be tremendous hockey with the the matchups as we we mentioned in our conversation um, between Philadelphia and the Islanders, between Boston and Tampa Bay, uh, Colorado and Dallas, and Vegas and and Vancouver. Those are going to be tremendous ma- matchups, uh, tremendous hockey, and it's going to be tremendous hockey the rest of the way. Uh, so it's been really been great. Um, I'll be the first to admit that I was unsure of what to make of it um, at the thought of no fans and I have been uh, pleasantly surprised at uh, the atmosphere and the intensity of of each game um, despite uh, nobody in the seats so it's been tremendous um, so we're looking we are looking forward to what is to come. Thank you, Brad, again for joining. Uh, greatly appreciate it. I always enjoy conversations about about hockey. You know that we talk about it off uh, off microphone as well as on, and uh, so it's it's our life, and it it's and I enjoy it every day. So thanks, Brad, for joining. Um, again, make sure you head to the no- necessary social media ma- platforms: uh, Facebook, Instagram. Um, Twitter even, uh, even though we are not as active there. Um, War Room the Hockey Podcast, at War Room the Hockey Podcast, at War Hockey, respectively. Uh, www.warroomhockey.com. Uh, if you want to f- locate um, our friends that we mentioned uh, at the beginning of this week's episode, uh, make sure you head um, online. You can find Breakaway Brewing at breakawaybrewing.com. Um, uh, you can find... Um, Ryan Walter at RyanWalter.com, and then you can also Google ABK Restoration and locate him here in the Okanagan Valley. Uh, Great friends, uh, Maple Rock, uh, Maple Syrup as well, the same thing. Great friends of the show, and we greatly appreciate their support as well through everything. Um, Thank you all again for tuning in, for your patience and your understanding. Listeners of Driving Force Bound, what we do, we can't thank you enough for continuing to tune in. And uh, make sure you engage with us. Make sure you hit Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, you hit the subscribe button. You rate and review. Preferably a five-star rating if, if that's uh, something you are willing to do. And uh, continue to help us grow. Uh, you guys are the reason we are where we are, and we greatly appreciate it. Um, yeah. Anyways, Brad, thank you for joining us. Um, I'll do my typical sign-off here. Um, I know you'd join me if you, if you were here. Um, but... Thank you all for, for, for listening and engage with us. We look forward to hearing your questions and your, your comments, and we will see you all throughout the hockey community. Cheers.